Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we're starting a series called First, and the idea is very simple. Have any of you ever been bowling, and you've got to try and throw a bowling ball down a track to some pins at the end, and as you throw, you're focusing on the pins, and you realize that if it didn't start the first meter in the right direction, there's nothing you can do about it after that first few meters. And so you realize, actually, the start is what's important. I've got to get it along the right line when I start. It's the same with a new year, a new job, a new marriage, a new anything. If we get the first things right, everything else falls into place. And in fact, the Bible says this a lot. There was a a place in Mark chapter 12 where a man came up to Jesus and said, what is the first commandment? And what he was saying is, what is most important and what must I do before I do other things? What is the first? And I hope that you're asking that same question today. I've been asking it. Lord, how do I get my priorities lined up straight so that if I start this year right, if I start my family right, my job right, my, all the different parts of my life, if I get it on the right trajectory, I'm going to end up at the right destination. And Jesus answered him. And there is something helpful for us today. So Mark chapter 12, one of the scribes came Perceiving he had answered others well, he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The first thing I want us to notice is that Jesus put two commandments when he was only asked for one. The man said, what is the first commandment? And Jesus gave him two, and the reason is because the two are inseparable, they go together. And they are described as love. He says you love the Lord your God and you love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it or joined with it. They can't go apart from each other. If you love God and you understand the love of God and it fills your heart and you love him fully, you will start to love other people because that is what God's love is like. He said there are two but they are one. The first part of it is the most important. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second part goes with it inseparably. If you love the Lord, you will love other people. And it will involve your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It will be all-encompassing. And not just a part of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So what does it mean for you and I to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does that mean? The most important thing that we need to understand is this word love. 
I wonder if you are aware of words that mean something that they never used to mean. The, the main one the main one is the word gay. I mean, when I was growing up, gay meant happy, and now it means homosexual. It's changed its meaning. Jesus took a word called agape, which meant love, but it was not a common word, and it wasn't used as being an especially different kind of love. It was an, a seldom used word in his culture and in, and in his day. He took a word, he hijacked the word agape. He said, I'm gonna use this, please hear me now, to describe God's kind of love. And so up until this time, when Jesus came along, People would speak of love as being brotherly love, the affection and the kindness of a friendship. Let's love each other. Oh, I love you, bro. I love you, sis. I love you, my family members. There's a human love. We know it. There's affection. There's warmth. There's care. There's concern. There's a human level of love. And then there was uh, an erotic sexual love as well that they used to use a different word for. And there were different types of love. Uh, our English language has one word for love, and we will use it five times in the same sentence, meaning five different things. I love this ice cream because I love going to work. I love watching the movies. I love you, my darling wife, and I love my dog. And they all mean different things. And Jesus wanted to show that there is a love that is different, above, far beyond human love. And so he took a word, agape, which existed, and he said, I'm going to redefine it. And he used it again and again and again. Whenever he spoke of God's kind of love, Jesus used the word agape. And he used it, the, the New Testament uses it 320 times. In all the literature from ancient times, we can hardly find the word agape used ever, maybe a couple of times, but in the New Testament it's used 320 times. And Jesus defines it as being a love that involves emotion, it involves affection, but it also involves the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength. It's an all-encompassing love. It, it's not just emotion. It's not just a flutter of my heart. Oh, I love you today or tomorrow I love something else. It involves the mind. I, I get to know some truths that inform the way that I love. It involves the will. I get to decide something. You know, human beings are amazing because we can make a decision that changes the direction of our lives forever. We can stand in front of a group of people and we can promise to love, honor, obey, and, and be with somebody else for the rest of our lives and God comes in and puts his power there and we can make a decision that lasts forever and changes our lives. It involves the will. It involves the strength. It's not just a feeling. It involves actions. And so we go out and we feed the poor and we help people. There's a love that involves everything and it's this agape love. And then Jesus not only said agape, he demonstrated it. And so in 1 John, it says this. 
This is love. 1 John 4 verse 10. This is agape. You've understood love as being ice cream, dog, job, wife, and you didn't know what was what, and it was all just human funniness. He says, this is agape. I'm going to show you what agape is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There was a debt that I couldn't pay. There was a penalty that I deserved, punishment, and he took it and he paid the debt and he gave his life for me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is sweating blood. He's saying, Lord, if it's possible, can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not, our, not my will, but your will be done. He said, I am willing, using my mind, my will, my heart, my strength, to show love by dying for these people who don't even love me yet. He says, I'm going to show you agape. It involved his heart. He loved us. I guarantee you, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was loving you. It involved his mind. He was thinking of a plan to rescue us from sin and from hell. It involved his will where he decided, I'm going to do this, not because I feel like it, but because it's the right thing to do and the loving thing to do. And it involved his strength. Do you know how much strength it takes to be beaten and punched, to have thorns pressed into your head, to have your beard ripped out, to be spat upon, to be hit with sticks, to not eat or drink for 24 hours, to not sleep for 24 hours, to be whipped to within an inch of your life, to carry a massive wooden cross with splinters in it up a hill, to be nailed to that cross and to be dropped into a hole and then to stay there until the time is right to say, I now give up my spirit. That is strength. And that, that is love. First John 4 verse 19 says, We love him, we agape him, because he first loved us. He showed us love. And because of that, we can love him. And First John 3 16 says, By this we know love. He laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So he says, the first commandment is love. But if you don't understand agape, you won't understand what that commandment is. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it's a God love. You say to me, what does this mean, Greg? I'll tell you what it means. It means you imagine yourself at the foot of the cross. You see the bloodied, bruised, broken body of Christ on the cross. And you say, he did this involving his emotions, his mind, his will, and his strength for me, for no other reason. He, there was no reason for him to do it other than he wanted to rescue me. And when I realized that, I realized there's nothing I can add or contribute. I must just say, thank you, God. This love and acceptance just washes over me. I realize I'm forgiven and I'm loved. The price is paid, and this is what happens. The tank of love in my heart, the fuel tank of love, starts to get fuller and fuller, goes past a quarter, past a half, past three quarters, it goes up to full, and then it starts to overflow. And I start to love him with this love called agape. That's not a human thing. I could never love God if he didn't love me first. And as his love washes over me, I start to love him. And it affects my mind. I start to think of truths 
that he's told me. It affects my will. I make decisions based on it. It affects my strength and it affects my soul. I start to feel different things and I start to love him. I stand at the foot of the cross and I worship and I love him. And then the second command automatically happens. I start to love others. If Jesus died, came out of heaven and lived on earth for me and rescued me and died for me, that overflows and I start to do it for others, for the needy and the weak and the poor. I start to sacrifice myself. I start to put others above myself and I say, Lord, using my mind, my will, my emotions, my strength, I will love others. That is the first commandment. And the message that we are giving today is this. If I get that right, if I start my life with love, receiving agape and passing it on, all the other areas of my life will be affected and will fall into line. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. If I get the first things right, if I obey the first command, love, receive and give love to God and to others, everything else flows. Will you do it? Will I do it? Let's start as we mean to continue. It means I start my day right. It means before I've checked my emails, looked for messages, listened to the news, read the news, spoken to the dog, fed the wife. No, I got that the wrong way around. Before I've got the busyness of the day underway, I say, God, thank you for today. Thank you that your love for me never changes. Thank you, God, that your love for me is based on what Christ did on the cross and not based on my performance. Oh, I love you, God. And then you just start worshiping him. You engage your mind and you start remembering truths from the scripture and you start worshiping him with truths that you know from the Bible. That's what David did. You know, the Psalms are, there's 150 Psalms. Many of them were written by David and it's David's quiet times of worship with the Lord, him and the Lord alone. And he would start by being honest. He would say, Lord, I'm feeling low. I'm feeling angry. I'm confused. How long will you wait before you answer me, Lord? Why don't you smash the jaw of that guy who's against me? Lord, he was honest. But then he said, but I will praise him. And he started recounting truths because I know this about him. And I know this. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. As far as the east is from the west, he removes my sins from me. And he starts to recount truths, and he basks in God's love. And at the end of 2 Samuel, I think it is, David was in a position in, in a town called Ziklag, where the enemy had attacked him while he was away. They'd taken all his possessions and the possessions and the wives and the children of all of his soldiers. They'd taken them away. And it said the soldiers wanted to stone David. And David was very low. It says they wept till they had no more strength to weep. But then it says... David encouraged himself in the Lord and he rose up and he turned it into a victory. How did he do that? By coming before the Lord and just receiving the love and then it starts to overflow and he starts to serve God the way that God wants him to. Friend, let's do this. Let's start every day and every week. Can I challenge you to make a commitment to try and be at church every week? You say, why? Why? Why are you putting rules on me, Greg? 
Let's start the week by loving God. What do we put first? God, at the beginning of the week, on a Sunday morning, I am going to worship you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to devote time to you. I'm going to allow your love to wash over me. And the whole week will be blessed because I put the first thing right. Amen? First money of the month. I'll give you the first fruits, Lord. The first, the first, the first. I put it in place and everything else flows from there. Right, I've got one more story which I believe will bless you. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What's happening here? This lady Martha has invited Jesus into her home. Put your name in the story. This person, Joe, has invited Jesus into their life. But they're worried and they're troubled about a great many things. And you may be in that place. You may say, I've invited Jesus into my life, but I don't have the peace. I don't have the joy. I, I'm not seeing the fruit of this Christian life. If Jesus is in my boat, why is there a storm all around? What's going on? And you may even complain to the Lord or to your friend saying, what about Bill? He's not helping. Look at him. He just worships God. He's lost in his worship of Jesus. And we're setting up the cups. And we're busy doing all this stuff for the Lord. And we, we're working hard. Oh, he's got a charmed life. Look at him. He just worships God all the time. And you go to Jesus and you say, Lord Jesus, I am working for you. I am serving you. It's like the older brother of the prodigal son. He says, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never threw me a party and now this prodigal son comes back and you just have a big party for him. I've been serving you. And Jesus says the same thing that the father says to the prodigal son. Jesus says, you're worried and troubled about a great many things. Only one thing is needed. Focus on the first thing. Get the first blocks of the foundation in place and the whole building will go up straight. And Jesus is saying that to you and I today. You are worried and troubled. Are you worried and troubled? What, what were the things that Martha was worried and troubled about? Well, obviously there's the practical things. Will there be enough food? Does the house look nice? Is it clean? Is everybody comfortable? 
Is there anybody who's left out of the conversation? I'm looking around. I'm worried. Am I a good hostess? But then there's under the surface, there's the deeper issues that she's really worried about. Will people perceive me as a good hostess? I'm feeling guilt. My sense of self-worth and importance and identity is bound up in how good I am and how well I perform, and I am worried and troubled about a great many things. Friend, if you are worried and troubled about a great many things today, maybe it's the future, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your family, I want to say to you, if you will get the one thing right, you will find a peace that guards your heart and your mind. Jesus said one thing is needed, but then listen to what he said. And remember what I said earlier about the the first commandment has two parts. He said one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the better part of that one thing. One thing is needed, love the Lord with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And Mary is involved in the first part of that, which is loving the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. She's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, worshiping him, receiving the love and the forgiveness and the healing and the blessing and giving it back to him. I can just imagine her face, just loving Jesus. And it doesn't matter to her that Martha is judging her. How much of our lives, let me just challenge you on this, how much of our lives is spent worrying about other people's opinions and doing things because we're worried about what others will think or say or be offended by? And if you get the one thing right, if you please The king of the universe, you don't care about all these other lesser judges in life because the main judge has poured his love on you. And Mary doesn't care that Martha is judging her. She's loving Jesus. Jesus says, many things you're worried about, focus on one thing, and the first part of that one thing is loving me, and it will not be taken away from her. And this is the conclusion of the matter. All those other things can be taken away from you. People's approval can be taken away from you. In fact, they will take their approval away for the silliest little thing. Your livelihood and all the things you're working for, your bank account, you could be storing up wealth or making a plan for the future. All of that can be taken away from you. But if you focus on the one thing, receiving his love and loving him back, It cannot be taken away from you. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You are safe. And it leads to you loving others. You start to serve him, but out of a place of love and gratitude instead of a place of guilt. And then all those other things, all the other things you were worried about fall into place. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.